Hello, I'm Heather Fay, and this is my morning monologue, One Woman's Health Journey. Got to start out with an apology that this did not get into your feed this morning, which is when I would typically have posted it up, but due to several unforeseen and interrupty circumstances, I was not able to sit down and record until many hours after I had initially intended to, which is right now, and because of a pre-scheduled medical appointment I need to go to in just a short while here. I'm not going to be able to edit and post until the evening, so you should be seeing this in the evening. Again, I apologize. Real quick, regarding that medical appointment, I'm either going to get some good news, some very bad news, or an inconclusive piece of news as medical things go. And I haven't really talked about this much because I would like to know exactly what I'm dealing with before I talk about it. So I will, if I get any definitive answers, I will mention that in next week's episode. Real quick update before we dive into the meat of the episode. I weighed in at 209.8 pounds this morning. That's 5.2 pounds lost last week. I did gain a pound and a half or so, whatever it was, from the preceding week. But anyway, that's pretty phenomenal. I was happy about that. And of course, that means that I ought to be doing a victory video right now. But I'm not prepared to do that. That takes me a lot longer to do than to record just an audio episode. So I'm sorry about that. I really was not expecting to have dropped below the 210 mark. So I promise that next week will be the victory video. And I'm sorry I didn't do it this week. I'm full of the sorries and the apologies this morning. Let's get on to the, oh, well, more exciting news. I fit into my size 16 pants, so I'm down from an 18 to a 16 on top of that nice weight loss. So I'm, and more importantly, though, I'm feeling pretty incredible. I'm feeling good on a day-to-day basis, energy, health-wise. So that's the more important thing. I do love that I'm losing weight. And I'm not going to lie, I would, you know, I it's it's something I want. That It's something I want. And I guess if you're listening to this, that might be something you want too. So stick with whatever you're doing. I hope that's going good. And let's talk about the documentary, Fathead. All right. So first of all, I watched this documentary for free on YouTube. So I will link to that in the show notes. I highly encourage you to watch the documentary. And also, if you didn't watch Super Size Me last week's topic of conversation, do watch that as well. I think it's important to watch these so you can, A, increase your own education on health and nutrition and the state of things in this country and the world. And B, um, lost my train of thought, but just seems like a good idea. Oh, so you know what I'm talking about. That's B. Good. I'm totally organized. So Fathead, it was a 2009 documentary film made by Tom Naughton. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's N-A-U-G-H-T-O-N, Naughton. Anyway, uh, just a quick disclaimer, because some people care about this kind of thing. The guy does not care about being politically correct. Probably why I personally like him. But if that kind of thing bothers you, just steal yourself, try to ignore that and just pay attention to the information, which could be helpful or skip it. If you've made it this far listening to my podcast, I might also just rightfully assume that you don't care about political correctness too much either. At any rate, 
right near the beginning of the documentary, he immediately uh, starts in with Morgan Spurlock and Supersize Me, um, which is why I wanted to do this documentary next. It's sort of a response to that documentary. So he points out uh, that if somebody went and ate at McDonald's for a month and they just gained maybe four or five pounds, it wouldn't really be very sensational. And he immediately points out that Spurlock ate, well, he says more than 5,000 calories per day, including more than a gallon of soda. So that was something I even noticed watching Supersize Me, where I was kind of like, that is an extreme number of calories. Like, it's not surprising that this guy gained all that weight, threw it up, you know, like if you're going to eat that much, that's going to happen, right? So he points that out. And then he ponders whether or not it would be possible to lose weight, lose weight, eating fast food for a month. So he does the same thing Spurlock did. He sees the doctor. He just goes to one doctor. I'm guessing his his GP. Um, I I got to admit, I like the doctor. The doctor is a comical guy. He He's likable. Um, Anyway, he gets his checkup. He gets his uh, blood test. I And the doctor, I absolutely love the point that the doctor makes, right? That the diet should be something you can live with, right? And this has been kind of my philosophy on changing my diet, which is I want to do something that I can comfortably keep doing for the rest of my life as a routine because it's it's just simple to do. It's not like... I'm starving myself or I'm I'm get fighting these cravings to not eat junk, you know, like it's something you, you should be able to live with. So I liked that point. I thought that was a very good point that he made. His point more likely was you don't want to eat fast food for the rest of your life, most likely. But and I agree with that. And I think we all agree with that. Moving right along. Okay, so the next thing he – by the way, this documentary is just chock full of information and different things. So I just noted things that I found interesting and wanted to talk about. Again, for a more comprehensive look, definitely watch the documentary. Um, I ran the risk with all my notes I was taking of making my episode as long as the documentary. And I was like, no, I just need to be a little more bullet pointy about it. So I'm going to try to do that. At any rate, so he now addresses how uh, – commonly understood. Oh, I misread my note. So he now addresses the calories in, calories out myth, right? In other words, you have to burn enough calories to make up for eating too many, that kind of thing. Anyways, the upshot, and in his words, that's baloney. And I just, on a personal note, it is insane to me how long it took me to realize that exercising did nothing for my weight, right? But it, it's really true, and I've demonstrated this time and again to myself. Exer- now, exercise obviously is good for you. I'm not trying to say don't exercise. I'm just trying to say if you're wanting to lose weight by just exercising to try to burn off the excess calories, it's just really not a very successful way to go. Um, he goes on to pick apart supersize me a little bit more. Um he shows he actually shows the visuals and shows the math on the calories of what Spurlock would have had to eat in per meal to reach 5000 calories a day and it's pretty huge and astronomical right so um that was just an interesting point to me and he goes on he tackles several more points he disagrees with and supersize me and I'll leave that up to to you if you want to watch that um Okay, another point in Supersize Me, a couple of African-American kids were interviewed at, who loved McDonald's, 
So now they're interviewing in Fathead, they're interviewing this guy, Eric Oliver from the University of Chicago. And he's saying that it, it, that he's accusing Spurlock essentially of including that in there to make, make it look like black people are stupid. If I'm being totally honest, I, I didn't personally get that impression when I watched Super Size Me. I didn't take it as a a racist thing here. We're getting into controversial waters here. I just took it as a general American thing, like he's trying to prove that people like McDonald's too much or something. So I, I disagreed with that point from Eric Oliver. Okay, so uh, but this guy they're interviewing, Eric Oliver, he gets into other causes of weight gain for Americans, right? Um, then we move on to the interview with Jacob Sullum, the senior editor of Reason Magazine. I don't know anything about Reason Magazine, didn't look it up, um, but I feel like if you mention certain publications, half the country gets pissed off at you. I'm just saying they interviewed him in the documentary, and I'm talking about the documentary. So here we go. I actually wanted to quote him directly. So he says, it's really about the same thing, which is looking at people's risky behavior Deciding people ought not to behave that way and then trying to enlist the government to get those people to change their behavior. And and I kind of agree with that statement. I do. It's like our diet, what you eat is up to you, right? To sit there and try to make laws that ban people from eating this or force people to eat that, it's wrongheaded in my opinion. I've said it before. The government being involved in our diet has not seemed to solve or help anything. So I disagree with using the government as a solution. We we need to handle our own diet. That's up to us to do, right? Um, and it just reminded me a lot of the vegan movement. Not that I – and I, I have no problem with vegans um, as such or that diet at all personally. But they're, they're going to these ludicrous extremes of trying to outlaw meat consumption, right? And I, I really – don't agree with that personally. And this documentary does get into that, right? Uh, this idea of activists trying to get fast food restaurants to put nutrition labels on their packaging, uh, which is part of this whole thing. And I had some thoughts on that. I was like, well, I mean, in the I do kind of like to know the nutrition information of what I'm eating. So in that regard, I, I appreciate that. But should the government be enforcing that? Like, it's one thing if the fast food restaurants decide they're responding to consumer uh, appeal by putting that on there. And it's a different thing than if the government forces them to, right? But probably more to the point and, and to his point, the documentary maker, will it actually make people stop eating fast food? And I don't know. I tend to think that depends on the person, right? For instance, I'll give myself as an example. I love Starbucks. I go to Starbucks frequently. I used to go and get a little lemon cake or cake pop and my coffee, right? When Starbucks started putting the calorie count right on their menu of the pastries, I was astounded how high the calorie count was. And I actually stopped buying the pastries with the coffee, except for only sometimes, right? So I tend to think that some people might stop eating the food or think twice if that calorie info is on there. And some people might not. I don't know. That's something that remains to be seen. But again, if it's going to happen, it should be the fast food restaurants on their own account putting that on there and not being forced by government mandate to do so, in my personal opinion. 
Okay, I really want to get into this next part of the documentary, which I found fascinating. And he's talking about BMI, that is the body mass index, and the obesity epidemic, quote unquote, obesity epidemic. Okay, in a nutshell, this epidemic may not be as big a problem as we've been led to believe. Um, Now, that said, I think it's clear that there are noticeably higher numbers of overweight people in this day and age than, say, even like 20 years ago. Um, Like, personally, I remember in school, like, there might have been one or two kids that were heavy set, right? The rest of us were pretty slim. I, and I see the school kids today, like over at my kids' school, and I do notice there seem to be more overweight kids than when, back in my day, right? Um, but this BMI measurement, now, the, that was a seemingly arbitrary decision. Uh, I'm not sure. He might have mentioned who made the decision. I didn't write it down here in my notes, but essentially... It was just decided one day, if your BMI is above this level, you're considered overweight. If it's below this level, you're considered fine. So suddenly overnight, there were suddenly all these overweight, obese people, uh, more so than were before. Um, But the BMI measurement doesn't take like your muscle count versus your fat into account, right? Okay, now, but again, the documentary was, did come out in 2009. So we're talking 12 years ago, right? So it's possible that way they measure it has changed. I don't know. But it's interesting to me because they gave a couple of examples of people considered overweight. One was the guy making the documentary who, by my standard, does not look remotely overweight. Another guy, Eric Oliver, I mentioned before that they were interviewing. He stood up. He's like, I'm considered overweight. The guy's a rail, right? So I started to kind of have a different opinion of the BMI measurement. I started to think, Maybe this isn't something we should really be paying attention to in terms of our own weight and health, right? Um, And just in general, this documentary is kind of making me rethink. And uh, the documentary, which is a summary of a lot of the sort of books I've been reading about a high-fat, low-carb diet, for instance, recently, it's really making me rethink obesity as a disease. Because if you talked to me last week... I would have said obesity is basically a sickness. That was my point of view. You're not well if you're obese. Well, I'm starting to change my mind a little bit about this because we're seeing some evidence that exercise also plays a huge role in health. In other words, if a person is obese and they've, they have studies that they've done to show this, but they're really fit, like active, get a lot of exercise, they tend not to have all these other diseases that we associate with obesity, like cancer, heart disease, diabetes, et cetera, right? An in-shape, although overweight person, doesn't tend to have those problems. So I kind of went, huh. Uh, and it made me go, maybe I shouldn't be concentrating or concerned with weight as much as I am, because that's obviously not the factor in in disease, maybe. Anyways, I'm, I'm still trying to get more of a good idea of this, and I'm sure I'll talk about it more in upcoming episodes, but it just, it's, it made me stop and think. It made me stop and think. So I thought I'd share that. Uh, let's see here. Oh, okay. Now they're interviewing a doctor. I didn't write her name down. Um, but she's talking about this. She's talking about the most difficult patient is the one with hypertension or diabetes, but they're thin, Right. And it just reminded me of something that happened in the last couple of weeks, a story I was kind of going to save for another episode, but I'll share it now. 
I had a friend over, um, a good friend of mine. I see her frequently. Her, her kids are about my kid's age. They come over. They play. We talk. You know, typical family play date situation. And I've been super into this high-fat, low-carb diet and how well it's going for me. And I was sharing this information with her and telling her about the books I've read and stuff. And and she fired – well, I won't say fired back at me, but she was like, well, I just think all things in moderation, you know? And you hear that saying a lot, all things in moderation. And I want to pick that apart, probably not right now. But I said to her, I said, well, what does moderation mean? Oh, and listen, by the way, this woman is a fantastic mother and a wonderful person, and I'm not trying to throw her under the bus because I didn't tell her I was going to talk about her on my podcast, which is why I haven't used her name. And I, I have no criticism for her whatsoever, but her answer was very enlightening to me. She said, well, you know, so I said, what is moderation? She goes, well, one small dessert after lunch, two small desserts after dinner. And I was stunned into silence. I didn't know what to say. And I don't even remember what I did say because I was like, that is not my definition of moderation. My definition of moderation is once a week dessert, right? And there are some people whose definition of moderation is even like, I'm not moderate to that person, right? To them, uh... One dessert a year or something is their moderation, right? So it's really different for different people. But it struck me because this woman happens to be very skinny. Her kids happen to be very skinny and her husband happens to be very skinny. These people are eating three desserts every day and calling it moderation. And I, what I realized, what I twigged on was I should probably be kind of happy that my body takes on weight very quickly. Because that could be an indication to me, hey, slow down a little. Maybe you don't need to eat all that. Maybe you're you're doing a little bit much for me to handle right now, right? Whereas a person who has the body type that doesn't gain weight when when they eat poorly, they don't think there's a problem. Well, we're, we're all skinny. Who cares, right? Which leads me to another thing that I've come to understand, which is if you're when you're trying to decide what diet or health module, if you will, works for you. Weight is not the only thing to consider and, in fact, might be the least important thing you probably could consider as regards your health. So I want to also get more into that in a future episode. But I just that when she said that in there, that's her most difficult patient, essentially the skinny patient with a disease. But they're like, I'm skinny. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it really just reminded me of that. Anyway. Okay, the next section of the documentary, they get into the topic of fat. And really this particular part of the episode is a great summary of all the stuff I've been reading about regarding fat lately. So if you take if you don't watch any of this documentary, at least watch this section. It's, it starts at about the 53 minute 23 second mark. So 5323 just pop in right there and watch their section on fat, but just very briefly it would appear we have been just wholesale misled about fat and animal fat in particular and its relation to uh, or correlation with high cholesterol and heart disease. It's a very fascinating uh, section. While I'm at it, I would also really highly recommend the book The Big Fat Surprise by Nina, Nina Teichels. I've mentioned it in an earlier episode, and I will try to remember to link it uh, below as well. If you like reading or books or listening to audiobooks, and you're interested in finding out more about this, a highly recommended book uh, by me. And here, listen, 
This is a concept that could be very hard to wrap your head around. I'm flying high with it right now. Yeah, high fat, low carb. Three, four weeks ago, I would have thought a diet like this was pure insanity and was going to give me a heart attack in, in an early grave, okay? I did not go into this lightly. I read, listened to really, probably seven or eight different books before I bit the bullet and was like, okay, I'm definitely doing this now, right? So if you're kind of like, no crazy lady, I'm not going to eat a high fat diet, I completely understand. I'm not even saying you have to. Don't if you don't want to, but I think it's worth looking at the other side of this story and that's why I mention it. Okay, they go on to a really interesting section about uh, cholesterol, the different kinds of cholesterol, which I'm not going to try to explain, but which comes right after this fat section. So I recommend definitely uh, check that out as well. All right, next we're talking about the lipid hypothesis uh, and that in the 1970s, this hypothesis was very much in dispute. What is the lipid hypothesis? Twofold, one, that saturated fat raises cholesterol, and two, that cholesterol causes heart disease. And the way that we came to believe this as the absolute truth of nutrition, even though it was highly contentious back in the 70s, was because of this thing called the McGovern Committee. Now, if you have read any books on health or nutrition in the last 20 years, or you're kind of up to speed on this sort of topic, you will have heard of this committee, right? Um, but it was a Senate committee, right, convened on the subject of uh, nutrition, the American diet, right? McGovern himself believed that people should cut back on fat and cholesterol because that was a diet he himself was on. And the upshot, the end result of this whole thing was they came out and said, hey, we should be eating a low-fat, high-carb diet. And that became what was then recommended because the USDA picked it up as well for the American public. And essentially, the documentary gets into the point that this was then so ingrained that any scientists that came forward disagreeing with it uh, lost their funding, lost their status or their job, was poo-pooed. You know, um, there's quite a bit in the documentary about really sort of the corruption surrounding this, which is I also find fascinating. Then we move on to vegetable oils. Uh it's pointed out that these oils have never really been in the human diet until very recently. Uh, one of the people they interviewed, again, didn't write down the name, um, talks about a study, possibly more than one study, that showed that if you put a, a carcinogen in rats, which is a – it's basically a cancer-causing component, right? If you put that in rats and then feed them corn oil, they develop cancer. Feeding them coconut oil, which is a natural oil form, because vegetable oils aren't really natural there's no, like when you squeeze, I forget who it was pointed out, when you squeeze out corn, right, you don't get oil, right? So what is this stuff? So coconut uh, oil, which is natural, tallow, which is essentially animal fat, right? When you fed that to the rats with the carcinogen and they didn't get cancer. So, and when we started pushing this heavy diet of vegetable oil and wheat on the American public, Heart disease actually went up. This is all according to this documentary. Again, I recommend watching it. Okay, so just one last thing. There's a lot in this documentary I haven't mentioned here. I was just trying to do some basic bullet points. Again, please watch it. Uh, but the last part of the documentary I'll discuss here is they do talk about grains. And uh, I'm sure I've mentioned that with the high-fat, low-carb thing that I'm doing, I have personally uh, elected not to have grains be part of my diet. So I'm not eating any grains right now. 
you know, because we all understand, right, common knowledge, heart-healthy grains uh, that are good for us, but now they're they're debating, are grains actually good for us, right? Um, we've really been persuaded to eat this low-fat, high-carb diet over so many years that, that we would seem have actually been done quite a disservice, right? It's pointed out by this documentary that grains are not a native diet for any mammal, right? The only animal that lives well on grains is birds, right? Um, and I've talked about this too for me personally. I personally know the fact that I, uh, when I take grains out of my diet, I drop pounds. And when I put them back in, I gain weight. Now, okay, I talked about how weight might not be that important of a factor, but I can also take the idea, the this fact that my body is gaining weight, that my body might try to be telling me, hey, you're eating something I don't know what to do with, and I'm just shoving it where I can, right? And for me, that's that's grains and especially wheat, right? And this documentary goes on to point out that uh, the exact diet we're, we're being told to eat to be heart healthy, it's what farmers feed to pigs and cows to make them fatter, right? So... Um, they get into that, and it's it's very interesting. And and there's you know a few more points there again that I didn't cover. All in all, I like this documentary quite a bit. I felt very informed afterward. Um, you know, I didn't uh, necessarily agree with every single point made, and I didn't necessarily disagree with every single point made in Super Size Me. I think they both have merit and some information that's good for us to know. But this documentary. The first half really aimed at just kind of putting Super Size Me in its place and and correctly, I think, labeling it as what it was, which was just some sensationalism, right? And then it gets into the, some of the ways we've really been mes misled about the human diet and that, in fact, fast food restaurants are not necessarily the culprit, uh, in our, quote, obesity, maybe epidemic, but probably not because of the way we count BMI. One last thing I will mention, he did uh, go back to his doctor and weigh in at the end, and he actually did lose weight eating fast food for a month. And he ate around 2,000 calories a day while doing it. He was showing his food logs throughout. So anyways, it's a good watch. It's about an hour and 44 minutes. If you want to check it out, it'll be in the show notes. Other than that, I have got to get crack in here today. I'm going to put this up tonight when I have time to sit down and edit. Thanks for listening if you did. Thanks for being on your health journey if you are. Sorry I talked so fast because I'm in a big rush. I love you guys, and I will talk to you next time.